you don't lie to your fans and you would you just come out and say this sucked we're really sorry uh it was supposed to be something way bigger and way better we're gonna look into what went wrong thank god you're not talking about our podcast Hey folks, my name is Matthew Terry, and I am the co-host of the very podcast that you're listening to, Cornerstone Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Last week, my partner in this podcast, Ryan Allen, came on and he flew solo for the uh, first half of the show. I needed to uh, tend to something of a personal nature, and Ryan uh, picked up the ball and he ran with it. And he did an absolute great job. In fact, uh, do me a favor. If you get the opportunity, tell Ryan uh, what kind of a great job he is doing so far because uh, I'm going to share a little secret with you. Uh, Ryan is a little bit self-conscious about what we're doing here. Uh, he's new to the podcasting game, and he's just a little self-conscious about what he's doing when he has absolutely no reason to be self-conscious because uh, he has been doing a wonderful job thus far. Um. Ryan came on here last week, and uh, I'm, I'm doing the same this week because for our first episode, which was last week's episode, uh, one of the plans was to come on here and essentially introduce ourselves and to uh, let you guys and girls get to know us and um, what what merits us to, uh, to be doing an Ottawa-based wrestling podcast, uh, let alone a wrestling podcast in general. Um, I guess I'll start off right at the very beginning. I got into wrestling at the age of eight years old. I was into AWA, the American Wrestling Association. Uh, some of you might not know that the AWA had a uh, an affiliate, uh, had a territory in Gatineau, Quebec. Um, and I, I, I got to see their weekly TV show, and I got to see... You know, names like Rick Martel, Dino Bravo, Abdul the Butcher, Tom Zink, Steve Strong, uh, Gino Brito Jr. and Sr., the Road Warriors, Stan Hansen. Uh, just great, great, great names. You know, it just it, 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 it wells up inside me that I got to see these great names uh, at such an early age and, uh, you know, at such a prime of their careers. I don't remember how I got into wrestling. I don't. Uh, I, I don't remember who introduced it to me. My assumption is that uh, my best friend, when I was younger, Kurt Hegert, his brothers, I believe, were into wrestling, and my bet is that they were watching wrestling, and I just started watching it, and I just, I fell in love with it. Uh, Kurt Hennig, Larry Zabisco, oh, just uh, these names are just you know bouncing into my head. Um, over the years. I, I did, uh, I found, you know, WWF, how could you help not to? Um, I, I used to record it every night, every uh, Friday night going into Saturday. It would, it would, it would be at midnight, midnight, Friday night going into Saturday. And uh, I would record it on the VCR and I would just watch it religiously. Um, I went to my first wrestling event at Frank Clair Stadium which I guess is now called uh, TD Place. 
and outdoor event Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage uh, in the main event. Uh, I believe I was still eight years old when I went to that. And my mom brought me. My mom, not a wrestling fan at all. She sat there and read a book the whole time. And, you know, I, I remember I've told this story before on other podcasts where, you know, uh, they, they made an announcement that, you know, to, to so that everybody else can see, you know, try to stay in your seats or, you know, please do not stand up during the event. And I, I behaved myself the entire show. And then when Hulk Hogan came out, of course, everybody just went boom. And I remember looking at my mom going, Mom, Mom, I can't see. I can't see. Everybody's standing up. And my mom looked at me and said, then stand up. And I did. I stood up on my chair and I I was I got to see Hulk Hogan for the very first time. Uh, I was lucky enough to see Hulk Hogan several times uh, in person, both uh, in Ottawa and uh, in the outskirts, uh, you know, Cornwall and such. Um, to kind of fast forward to how I actually got into wrestling myself, um, I was in my early twenties and I worked at a bingo hall in, uh, in Ottawa. Uh, I believe it, it wasn't rendezvous bingo. What was it? The bingo palace, the bingo palace. And I walked in one day and I, I call it wrestling radar. Uh, you know, really, really big wrestling fans have wrestling radar where it's just there's something wrestling, you know, over over in the peripheral and and somehow you're just drawn to it. You know, you, you go into like a thrift shop or something and you're just walking down one of those aisles and you just, you know, there's a glass with like the ultimate warrior on it. And that's actually a true story, you know, just walking down the aisle and just just for some odd reason just I saw the ultimate warrior glass which was behind something else and it's it's just wrestling radar and so I walked into uh into my bingo hall job and just out of the peripheral I saw a wrestling poster and I went over and I didn't know that there was an independent wrestling culture in Ottawa uh with this being my early 20s you're, uh, the this is the early 2000s so it was a wrestling poster, and I remember it was uh, Dave Dalton versus Quan Chang versus Big Man Axel Williams in the main event. And there was a email address at the bottom of the poster. And I had just uh, finished my college, uh, my college education for freelance writing, and I, I emailed that email address, and I said, Hey, I just finished uh, college for freelance writing. I love wrestling. I want to be involved with wrestling. Um, I, I I would love to do some writing for you, programs, advertising, whatever. And I just want to get my name out there. I just I love wrestling. And somebody turned out to be Dave Dalton. Uh, emailed me back and said, you know, we're at the gym Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I went in that first night, and I walked up. I said, you know, hi Dave. I'm I'm Matthew Terry. And he looked at me. And went who? And I said, Date, uh, or Matthew Terry, I'm, I'm the writer. And he's like, oh, yeah, um, I have a class to teach. Can you go you know, sit in the loft? There was a loft at the, at the gym at that point. And I said, sure. And I went up and I watched training. And I got to meet guys like uh, the Hickster, Tim Jim, Jim Bob, uh, Colin Oliver Carnage Third. Uh, I believe I met Ice and Shanene. Uh, met, met a lot of people that day. Virus, I met Virus that day. And I sat there and I watched training. And when training was done, Dave just left. Didn't even say a word to me. 
Uh, so I, sh- I showed up the following day or the following, you know, whether it was Tuesday or Thursday, I'm not sure. And he saw me and he says, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I just I had to go. Uh, listen, I got to I got to train this class. Can you uh, go sit in the loft? So I went and I sat in the loft and training finished and Dave left. And this went on for a few months, you know, two, three months. This went on for. And I remember Dave one day I was sitting in the loft and he, he was training and he looked up at me and he went, are you still here? And I looked at him and I said, well, I do go home. And he said, let's put you to work. And I found out later that that was kind of a test that, you know, I found out that lots of people walked into Dave Dalton and said, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I love. This is my passion. This is, I will do anything to be involved with wrestling. And, you know, it just, it gets repetitive because a lot of people, they get let in and they, it's not what they expect and they walk right back out. Now, no, I wasn't, I wasn't getting in the ring with Dave. Uh, there were some of the wrestlers that, uh, you know, were quote unquote training me, uh, after hours, but, uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't doing that, but Dave saw that here I was two, three months later and I was still coming back. I, I wanted my chance and I did get my chance. Um, my very first event was uh, Sabu versus uh, Joey Legend in the main event. And that was a, a Universal Wrestling Alliance show at uh, the old Lee's Avenue location. And, uh, you know, that I, I, was, I, I was a huge, huge ECW fan. I was a huge Sabu fan. And... You know, I'll admit, I marked out when Sabu was there, and when Dave got there, I said, uh, is Sabu here? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? And he says, you just take care of Sabu. When Sabu needs something, you you go get it. And he looked at me and says, but don't make an ass out of yourself. And I didn't. I didn't make an ass out of myself. I don't believe I did anyway. But uh, that was my introduction introduction to wrestling, was uh, was taking care of Sabu that, that show. And also being a member of "quote unquote" security, and um, you know, getting getting kicked and elbowed by Sabu. <laughs> so uh, my first introduction to wrestling was amazing. I I I I just can't replace it. Um, from there. I did do writing. I did do programs. I did uh, you know I, I wrote some stuff on websites. Uh, you know, advertising on type on like website stuff or like message boards. Um, you know, depending on who you ask, I I kind of became, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say a right hand man of Dave, but uh, you know, someone that you know Dave depended on uh, to some extent. I I helped where I could, both in the writing and. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever aspect I could. And I spent, you know, a few years with the, with the UWA and I had the opportunity to do some great stuff. I got the chance to manage abyss, the monster abyss. And, you know, abyss was just breaking out as uh, as a big star in TNA. He, uh, he, he taught me what, what he could or what he was willing to and that's not a knock on Abyss. Abyss didn't owe me a damn thing, but you know, every once in a while he would pull me aside and he'd say, "This is this is what you're doing. This is what you need to do." 
And a few times he would say, don't mark out. Don't mark out because I was. I was marking the fuck out. Um, you know, I, I got to meet a lot of great people and make a lot of great friends. Um, I, I was about to say unfortunately, but it's not unfortunate. I met the woman that is now my wife, and I moved to southern Ontario. And I left uh, I left UWA. Uh, I did come back for a couple shows. But uh, I left, and uh, I, I came here to southern Ontario, which does have a, a more uh, more quantity of wrestling. I'm, I'm not going to say quality. You know, Ryan and I talked about it last week. You know, the quality of wrestling per capita is probably much higher in the Ottawa region than it is here in Southern Ontario. Um, but I did get the opportunity to, uh, to work with a lot of different companies and, um, you know, kind of start off again and work my way back up. And I ended up buying Dave's, uh, Dave's setup, the ring, the, the six sided ring, the, the guardrails, um, I think I got the video wall. I got the entrance. I got all kinds of great stuff. And I, I, there, I did want to have it. I wanted to own a ring. I wanted to, uh, you know, to, to, to use the ring in some form or fashion, but I'd be lying if I said that I didn't see that ring as a way to get me into other companies to, to rent it at a, uh, you know, a smaller price, you know, make a little money on that and also get my, get my face seen a little more around Southern Ontario. And because of that ring, I got into, uh, alpha one wrestling and alpha one gave me, uh, the opportunity to, to ring announce. I, the very first time I ever, rented my ring to Alpha One Wrestling. They said, eh, and if you want, you can ring announce two if you want. Um, and actually, to kind of backtrack a little bit, I had done a uh, a charity show for uh, Sabrina Kyle, who is a female wrestler here in Southern Ontario, and Zach Storm, who a lot of you guys in the Ottawa area will be familiar with. And I did a charity show, and the they wanted me to ring announce, and the microphone didn't work. And I did it without the microphone. It wasn't that big of a venue, but I did it without the microphone. And I remember the next morning waking up next to my wife and opening my eyes and her just, you know, freaking out because my eyes were completely blood red from popping all the blood vessels from, uh, from uh, enunciating my voice so much. But... Uh, I don't, I don't know if that's what, you know, led Alpha One to say, hey, if you want to ring announce, you can ring announce, but it very well could have been, but I did it, and I became a damn good ring announcer, and, you know, as I said, Alpha One gave me the opportunity and the confidence to become a good ring announcer. From there, I had the confidence to work for Ring of Honor on several occasions when they came to Toronto. Um, I, and the funny thing about that was I, I was working quite a bit as a ring announcer. I was traveling just about every single weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, doing wrestling events as a ring announcer all over Southern Ontario. Even after I got rid of the ring, I was traveling all over Southern Ontario. 
And I got to the point where, you know, I was just, I wasn't, I, I didn't think I was going to go any further. I had been, I had been contacting Ring of Honor, hadn't heard anything back. I was contacting TNA, uh, Impact, wasn't hearing anything back. And I just thought like, well, I, I've gone as far as I can. I'm very proud of what I've done. And I knew that my wife wanted me home more. And I was to the point that, yeah, like we, we were planning on starting a family and, you know, it's I, I'm going to go home more. And I contacted all the companies I worked for and I said, I'm going to cut myself down to two or three. And the rest are, are uh, you know, thank you for the opportunity. So I sent that out and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to be home more. And she said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And she was happy that I was going to be home more. And then two or three days later, I got an email from Ring of Honor saying, no promises, but uh, why don't you come and uh, and we'll talk, we'll chat. And so here I am. I've just gone into, for lack of a better term, semi-retirement. And I've told my wife I'm going to be home more. And Ring of Honor is asking me to come to Toronto for their next show no promises. And they hadn't told me what it was entailing. Um, what it did entail was, uh, the, um, the, uh, Oh, why do I, why am I blanking on this? Uh, the prospects of honor or the youth of honor. Why can I not think of this? You know what I'm talking about? Um, it's, it's late and I'm tired, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Future of honor, future of honor. That's what it is. Uh, they wanted to do that as a series. And, uh, ultimately I came to find out later when I interviewed Ian Riccoboni that Ian Riccoboni was kind of getting looked at at the same time I was. And essentially Ian Riccoboni, uh, beat me out for it. And I don't blame him at all. Cause I love me some Ian Riccoboni, but that very first, uh, that very first time that I worked for ring of honor, I, uh, you know, my dad told me. You know, get yourself noticed. You know, get get yourself, get yourself above everybody else. Do something that they're not doing. Make them think of you. And he he said that about everything, not necessarily wrestling, but he always said that. You know, make them think of you. You know, work hard, make an impression. And I did. I was there an hour earlier than they told me. I helped set up the ring. I was constantly, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And, you know, I, 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 we were under the, there was me and I believe three other quote unquote ring announcers. I shouldn't say quote unquote, cause I know that there was three other ring announcers from Southern Ontario there. And I made an impression. I made them think of me and we were under the impression all day that there was going to be some dark matches before the, the pay-per-view. And one of us was going to announce these dark matches. It got close to uh, showtime, and someone came out and said, "We're not doing any dark matches." And, okay, fine. And they told, they came to me and they said, "Do you have any training?" And I said, "Yes, I have. Uh, I have some training. I haven't done it in a long time, but I do have some training." And they said, "Do you want to be quote unquote security?" And I said, "Well, what, what do you mean?" And they said, "Well, there's going to be a, a, a pull apart during the pay per view, and we need some, you know, some guys to go out and you know take some bumps." I said, "Yeah, I'll I'll be on pay per view, like hell yeah." So they um, they said, "Okay, great, your security." And I was over the moon. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to be on pay per view." And this is how I started. I started getting my butt whooped by Sabu 
you know, let's let's start my pay per view correct or career by getting. Uh, I believe it was Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen, sorry, that was going to uh, to to be kicking my butt. Um, however, it got to the point where someone came out and said, "Hey, Matthew, do you have your your gear with you, like my suit and everything?" I said, "Yeah, I do." And they said, "Okay, put it on," and they walked away. And I'm like, uh, "Okay, I I didn't realize we were doing dark matches." Turned out we weren't doing dark matches. We were doing uh, a meet and greet with the Ring of Honor and uh, New Japan Stars. And they were trying to establish a strong connection with New Japan. And they had said, you know, we'll do this big uh, meet and greet with everybody. And, you know, they I guess someone at, at one point says, hey, we're having this meet and greet with everybody. And they were like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. And like, you know, we'll need someone to host it. And... They, they. Someone said, "Well, you got these ring announcers here. Why don't you let one of them do it?" And they kind of hummed and hawed, hummed and hawed. And I, I'm getting this this story secondhand that uh, they hummed and hawed, hummed and hawed. And Rip Impact, who uh, you know, who is a mainstay here in Southern Ontario, but is known all over the place, uh, said, "You want Matthew Terry? He's the best." And they still kind of hummed and hawed, hummed and hawed. And Michael Elgin, who, again, I know him from uh, Southern Ontario, but I probably hadn't exchanged 20 words with the guy. And he walked over and said, you know, what's going on? They said, well, we want someone to host the meet and greet. And he said, oh, yeah, you want Matthew Terry. He's he's the best. And I I hosted the meet and greet. Um, I, I've been lucky enough to work for Ring of Honor a few other times doing meet and greets, uh, being the timekeeper, uh, you know, things that I, I will treasure. I got the opportunity to work for House of Hardcore, uh, Tommy Dreamer's promotion. Again, something that uh, is, a, is a feather in my cap. And, you know, a- after a while, I, uh, I kind of I settled into uh, podcasting. I have another podcast called It's Time to Fight. That's kind of my uh, catchphrase. It's something I threw out uh, the very first time I ring announced. I said, you know, because the clock on the wall says it's time to fight. That kind of got uh, whittled down to just it's time to fight. And, you know, it's 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 stuck with me. It's stuck with me through, uh, you know, a few podcasts, a few uh, podcast networks, and, uh, you know, some some discussion of whether the name belonged to me or other people. But that's a whole other podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um. And then I, I, doing my podcast, It's Time to Fight, I, I hooked up with, uh, I started hooking up with some of the old UWA guys. And I got, uh, I got in contact, or I did an episode with, uh, with Chaz Lovely and Ryan Allen. And, you know, after we did those, uh, those uh, podcasts, that series, uh, you know, Ryan reached out to me and he said, you know, I've, I've been thinking about wanting to do this. And I, I said, okay, cool. Like, I think you'd be good at it. So he said, yeah, it'd be like an Ottawa based thing. I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds great. I think you'd be great at it. And he goes, yeah, I just have to learn like the technical stuff and, and this, that, and the other. I said, yeah, you know, I, I think I didn't know, I didn't want to assume that he was kind of, you know, inviting me in. Um, cause even though, you know, Tyler, or sorry, not. <laughs> I keep I keep wanting to call him Tyler Logan. I have to concentrate. So if you ever listen to the podcast and you accidentally hear me call him Tyler, you know why. Um, 
because Tyler Logan was his name when he wrestled. But um, Ryan and I knew each other, but we weren't really close. We weren't buddies. We weren't going out for drinks. We didn't know anything like that. I always I always admired him as a wrestler. Um, I used him a few times on my shows. Um, but we weren't really close. So I didn't know if, if he was kind of just reaching out for advice or if he was reaching out for encouragement or if he was reaching out for someone to host a podcast with. And lo and behold, last week, you know, Cornerstone Wrestling Podcast was born, and it was born with Ryan Allen and Matthew Terry at the helm. Um, I, I, I was so proud to get last week's out because literally, literally, I got it out at 11.58 p.m. on the Wednesday uh, before Canada Day uh, because of, as I said, the personal stuff that I was tending to and uh, some other little I don't want to say glitches, but some other little things that we had to uh, to get laid down before the episode could go out. But I was very proud of what we put out last week. I'm very proud of what we put out this week. Uh, you're not just going to be listening to me ramble on. Uh, if you if you wait just a couple moments, you're going to hear uh, Ryan and I uh, conversing once again, kind of continuing on from what we did last week. But uh, we do have some great plans for you, ladies and gentlemen. Please stick with us. Uh, we do have some plans. We do have some ideas, and uh, I, I sincerely, sincerely hope that uh, you enjoy Cornerstone Wrestling Podcast. And uh, with that being said, as I said, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get Ryan in here, and uh, we're going to do some more chatting. And so we're going to talk to you very soon. So you've been a podcaster for a week now. Yeah, and you know what? So. You were bugging me about um, the like what you thought was doors closing. Did you uh, listen? Well, no, I didn't. Oh. But I have a theory. So you have a theory, the, okay. Yeah. So if it was during the part where it was just me, um, oh, it was it was you and I talking. Oh, okay. Well, my theory just the got destroyed. Sn- the sneeze. The sneeze was um, when you were just talking. I think it, I thought it was his fault. Road Warrior Hawk. Why would it be his fault? So he makes this like, nope, that's noise. That's not it. eh? That's okay. Because when I was doing the monologue, I was fidgeting with Road Warrior Hawk. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've noticed you're a fidgeter. I'm a fidgeter. Yeah. 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 A little bit squirrely. (laughs) So, but no, I, I, I should, uh, I should isolate. I should go, go back and listen, isolate where I can hear the noise and send that to you. Just send you like that little clip. Like that's the noise. All right, so you've been a podcaster for a week now. How does, does, does how does that feel that there's something out there and you are a podcaster for it? Oh, I'm terrified. Terrified, I tell you. Why? No. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, like it's it's this mentality, right, of of wanting to be good at things the very first time I attempt them. Uh, and I I just want to get to that point we talked about where I can look back at this time period in, I don't know, six months, a year and be like, man, I was brutal, but I've improved so much. That's like my eyes on the prize, right? I just want to get to that point in time. And we'll, for now, we'll just suffer through the, uh, the inexperienced days. I liked it. And I got some uh, good feedback from it. I don't know if you got anything from it, but I got some good feedback. So I, I got, got some good feedback too. Not like, and I asked for, all sorts of feedback not just good right yeah like just open and honest critique and uh most of it was like it was interesting and 
you know, the stuff that you think you were bad at wasn't as bad as it seems. And don't worry, it'll get better. Uh, so last week we talked about, uh, well, we, we, we talked a little bit about Everize and how they, they might fall into a category of uh, adopted sons of Ottawa because, you know, they were, uh, they were staples of, uh, of APW and of C4. And I wanted to talk more about maybe some adopted sons or daughters of Ottawa. Let, let's, let's go back to our generation. Like we're just a couple of old fucks. Mm, and or UWA, daughter. yeah, uh, I guess like the name that I could think of off the top of my head would probably be Sin, who went by Kazarni in WWE. And I only say that because he was kind of that guy who was who was consistent in terms of a, a, a guy that Dave would bring in on a regular basis, um, not just for maybe one show or two shows in a, a year's period of time. Um, Sin was pretty much a regular UWA entity. Um, he'd missed the odd show here and there, but at the time, uh, if memory serves correct, he was just an independent guy, like free agent guy working out of Toronto. And yeah, like, uh, he, it got to the point where I think he was viewed as a UWA guy, right? Like air quotes, UWA guy, um, just because of that regularity in his booking, um, and then on the female side, um, there, you know, there weren't a lot of women wrestlers in UWA at that t- period of time. There's pretty much just Portia Perez, Shanene, um, ice, ice, ice was there for a bit. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a revolving door in terms of, um, women coming in to work one or both of them. I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head who would have come in and sort of become like a, a regular or a quote unquote adopted son or daughter. Um, so I'd have to say like, yeah, in the early UWA days, sin would probably be the closest to, to that. There, there was a lot of guys that Dave brought in somewhat regularly, but even like uh, abyss. Well, I, as much, he was the champion and we brought him in more than several times but he didn't really have that interaction with the crowd type thing like sin, like, like he was very charismatic inside the ring and he could draw Mm -hmm. you in. But also, even though it wasn't like for the meet and greets that we would do before, it wasn't, he was still sin, but he was still engaging with the crowd. Um, I don't know if you were around for the rubber duck. You saying it, Brings back a very foggy memory, but I don't remember the uh, specifics. Well, were you around for the Jake Roberts shows? Yes, unfortunately. Okay. Well, know, fortunately or unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Now, we, we might have to talk about that now. The the, the first night in Napa Knee, uh, it was Sin, Jason Cage, and Jake Roberts in the main event. Yep. And at that point, Sin was carrying around. He, he had bought just a rubber ducky, and he had painted it to the to be the same as his face and he would like put it in his mouth and he'd like you know chomp down and it goes squeak 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 and i remember after uh or uh, when the show was over somebody came up to him and said hey do you sell those rubber ducks and he's like uh no and then like he's looking at his girlfriend just kind of like well guess what we got to do now yeah and i don't know if it was that night or the next day before we did brockville he was telling me they hit dollar store after dollar store after dollar store after dollar store picking up as many rubber ducks as they could and then they went to the venue which was in brockville uh, i think it was the brockville memorial center and 
they just started painting up the faces and they brought them, they brought it to the meet and greet and they sold out of them, Mm -hmm. which is great. Except for the fact that all of us are standing backstage and all you hear is squeak, 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 like uh, just so many squeaking rubber ducks in this audience. And the show hasn't even started yet. And I remember looking at him and going like, thanks, Sin. Appreciate it. Really appreciate that. Almost reminds me of like an Al Snow with head thing. And then before you know it, the entire audience has rubber chickens and they're squeaking them. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just you catch lightning in a bottle merchandise ideas. And I, I remember there was a, a show I worked on with Addie Starr and she came back to the locker room and she was covered in blood. And uh, she had just won a title. I can't remember what it was. The way the blood had come down her face and dried on her face and like just there was a certain look to it. I was like, Addie, go find someone with a camera and get promo pictures right now because <laughs> it, it just it had this look. Right. And I was like, that is awesome. Like, you need to capture this. And here's your next batch of eight by tens. But like a guy like Abyss, nice guy, but didn't didn't connect with the crowd even during the the meet and greets he was Mm -hmm. very he stayed very much in character um guys like bobby rude and Petey williams that dave would bring in on a regular basis nice guys but shy guys you know in a way that you know they'd go to the meet and greets and they'd sign their autographs but there wasn't really a lot of engagement there wasn't really a lot of chatting before or after the shows but yeah I, I can't even really think like i guess you could like not even a guy like uh kwan chang who we talked about last week would would be on a ton of dave's shows didn't really engage with the crowd well i think a guy like him he clicked with the crowd in terms of they enjoyed watching him but um yeah to sort of to be like adopted as a an ottawa guy uh, i don't know what, what that really would mean but you know, you look at someone we talked about um, 2.0 or 3.0, whatever, whatever you want to call them in C4. They they work there regularly. They captured the imaginations and uh, attention of the crowd. Um, they got over. Right. So um, when you start to think of, you know, C4 wrestling, you start to name off names and you you have to name those two guys, even though C4 is an Ottawa promotion. So. Um, I don't know that anyone in the UWA era sort of came in with that same sort of um, ability behind them to capture the audience and then have that audience kind of get on board with them from one show to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and like I said, that also requires consistency in, in the booking as well. Yeah. You, you were around a lot more for the infancy of C4. Um, a guy that was on their very first show and who I think, I'm asking you if he uh, would be considered an adopted son is Kevin Steen. I know that he did a lot of the C4 shows. Did he, uh, was he kind of an adopted son when C4 initially started? Yes. And no, because he was a bit of a known commodity to this area already. He had worked for CPW a handful of times um, before they closed up. So he was already kind of known to the Gatineau crowd and um, like, to be honest, at the time, he was already one of the top independent names in maybe I want to say, you know, uh, 
in the whole scene as a whole. Um, people knew who Kevin Steen was uh, through his work in IWS, uh, through his work. I think at the time they were, yeah, they were working down in the States with CZW and probably uh, Jersey All Pro Wrestling. Um, just thinking through the timelines here, 2007, 2008, I think he may have had his initial ROH run. It was short-lived. He probably had it by that time. Um, but yeah, he was almost in a different bucket. He was almost in that like indie star bucket where I don't really think you can say that um, Jeff and Matt 3.0 had really broken out on the independent scene yet. They were primarily focused on you know the Montreal independence and then um, at the time, they probably would have been working pretty regularly in Chikara as well. Um, so they came in as, I would say, a lesser known commodity in the Ottawa area than Kevin did. You know, the, the transition of UWA to C4. So, yeah, like I would say C4 was probably more open to that concept of having the stars come out during intermission or after shows to meet the fans and push their merch where, yeah, I think with with uwa things were kept a little you know old school and uh, keeping kayfabe alive and not having the people go out and you know i i can remember dave not wanting the guys to go into the crowd to watch other matches right like you weren't supposed to do that um whereas like at c4 it wouldn't be uncommon to see someone you know from the locker room watching a match but doing so you know in an area that where they're not kind of exposing themselves to the audience and um that was fine uh when we brought in abyss and we were going to get him and at that point we didn't know what the hell he looked like because he wore a mask on tna and i remember saying to dave i'm like well dave like do you know what this guy looks like and he's like nah and i said well how the hell are you gonna know who you're picking up and he's like nah, the guy's six five three fifty I'm like, well, what if there's more than one guy that's 6'5", 350, and Dave's like, ask him if they want to be a fucking wrestler and bring him to the show. You, you were also talking about how Dave, did he like specifically encourage you not to go out during intermission? The, to the best of my recollection, we stayed backstage for the duration of the show. I do, I do know he went out after the show, but um, yeah, I think it was just you know an unwritten rule, and that's how... Dave was broken into the business and it's just something we followed too was you, you stay backstage, the, the wrestlers are the wrestlers and the fans are the fans and you don't mingle. And when the show is over uh, and you want to try and move some merch, then that's all right. But yeah, you don't uh, do your match and kind of clean yourself up and then go watch the rest of the show with the fans. It's not something uh, I, I can't remember if there was, you know, a explicit verbalized rule about it or not, but uh, it was just something that, it was kind of ingrained in us not to do. I because when you said that, I'm like, I I remember the fact that people didn't go out during intermission, but I don't remember Dave specifically mandating that. And or maybe that was something that like one of the 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 quote unquote veterans of like you know Battleground Academy may have passed along. Yeah, I do remember um like my little crop of guys, the UWA training guys being a little bit shocked uh, by the attendance at the the Napanee show. There was a lot of bodies in the, yeah. in the audience. And yeah, we all kind of looked at it as like um, lesson learned in terms of uh, you always want to have some merch with you because you just never know when you're going to get a crowd like this who's 
Uh, I don't know when the last Napanee show was before that, but they were obviously craving live pro wrestling and they came out in droves. So um, those who were smart enough and wise enough to have some sort of merchandise, they sold a lot of it. Um, Yeah. Like I I think I'm trying to remember if, if Jason, uh, Jason Cage had photos or something, because I think he was one of the guys who was like remarking about how shocked he was by how much stuff he was selling. Right. Like, yeah big lineups at the merch table so yeah yeah you never know so last week uh we also talked about some native sons we talked about uh, the hickster we talked about wild ace we talked about you know your your crew as far as Chaz lovely jonathan rukin you know matt gray we talked about a lot of the native sons we didn't give a lot of uh lip service to the native uh native daughters you know even though portia wasn't from ottawa she's a, a product of battleground academy that's ottawa um, Ice, Shanene, you mentioned last week, uh, Misty Haven. Um, and actually, before we get too much into it, I want you to elaborate because I, I know Misty was a CPW, um, more of a CPW product. But you also mentioned, I, I can't remember, it was probably when, um, when we did the UWA reunion stuff, that they had a more ex- extensive women's division. Who, who so, else do you remember from their division? Yeah, so... You know, unless I'm mistaken, uh, Misty was actually trained by Dave as well. Yes, so, she was, along with yeah. Michael Von Payton. Yeah. 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 So that's that was an important distinction. I just want to make sure you're clear on that. And then I think, you know, she being married to Michael Von Payton when the whole fallout with Dave and Mike happened, um, you know, her time with UWA was was over for the time being as well. Yeah. The women's scene was not uh, like I think that goes for women's wrestling as a whole. It hadn't exploded yet. Right. So it was just maybe there'd be one women's match per card. And that wasn't even a guarantee. Um, CPW Portia went over to work there. And I remember she worked with Fisto from Montreal and um, CPW would draw in a lot more of the Montreal women. So I think Shanene worked there too. Um, but yeah, the, the, the talent pool in Ottawa at that period of time, it was so small that, you know, I think we talked about them being sort of the only regular uh, women who would appear on Ottawa shows. And then it would be sort of a revolving door of others who would come in to work those particular women. Um, you know, I can remember Cherry Bomb. Um, she, when she was new in the business, um, she's now, I think she goes by Allie, right? In uh, AEW. Actually, she goes by the bunny. The bunny now? She the was bunny. Allie at one point, though, I think. She was. Right? She was Allie. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she came in for a show and worked Porsche. Um, Addie Star, I mentioned Addie Star. She came in. I, I can't remember if she was in for the Dave shows or not, but afterwards, she yeah, came she, in. She, as came, a, she came yeah. in for Donnie. Yeah. Tiana Ringer. Who else? Yep, there's another one. Chantel um, and, and Tiana. Then, yeah, those two came in for a couple of Dave shows. But yeah, it was always just sort of that, like, who's next in the Rolodex, right? From yeah. uh, women who are wrestling in, like, let's say, you know, Toronto or Montreal area who can come in and give uh, Portia or Shanene a match. So yeah. um, Jamie, Jamie D, I don't want to forget about Jamie D. I wouldn't oh. say, like, you know, she was sort of as, as um, prominent a name as Shanene or Portia. Um, no, she she wasn't, but she was someone that was brought in, um, I think, at the recommendation of Scott Demore uh, to Dave, who Dave and Scott were uh, were pretty close. Oh, sorry. You know what? I totally confused Jamie D with Jane Steele because we had uh, which Jane is, Steele is as well. Which is the next yeah. one I was going to go get to was Jane Steele. I didn't want to forget her. 
Yeah. Um, she's a product of Dave as well. But yeah, the, 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 I agree with you that there was kind of like a revolving door of, you know, who was coming in. And Dave was trying, as far as I could see, he was trying to establish, you know, establish stories or establish, you know, that type of stuff. But like, I, I remember in one of the Gatineau shows, it was Shanene and Ice. And they were so, like, they, they feuded for so long. And this was they were they were supposed to get along because Tiana, Chantel, and Portia had attacked him in Kingston. And there was like a kind of a miscommunication or a brain fart or whatever you want to call it. And nobody made the save and Ice pinned whomever it was. And Dave was like, Well, that's it. Like the the they they won this handicap match shenanigans and ice won this handicap match you know where where do we go from here like you know and then so that kind of petered out and then like the Jamie D thing I I don't remember that ever really getting off the ground and because Jamie D came in to be like Shanene's muscle and mm-hmm. I don't know why that petered out so it just seemed a lot of start and stops with Dave yeah. Yeah, in UWA, that would definitely hold true. And yeah, a lot of intergender stuff too, right? To try and keep things fresh. So um, Portia Perez joined uh, Now Playing, right? For a period of time with Castor and uh, Hunks. And yeah, yeah, when I was with Team Player, myself, Matt Gray and Jonathan Rukin, we teamed up with Shanene and worked the four of them in an eight-man tag or uh, eight-person tag, I should say. So yeah, uh, you know, Dave had to be kind of creative with the booking um with the women just given there wasn't a huge talent pool to draw on all right i also wanted to talk to uh and not at length but uh, a little bit about junior benito uh you and i have chatted about junior kind of off uh off the record or off microphone and he's a, a young lad that i i've reached out to 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 get him on here we're going to get him on but very impressive you you described him as someone who a lot of people uh, say is going to go places. And I have been so impressed with this kid. And I just wanted to point out, he's going to be participating in the all Ontario cup with Barry wrestling. So he's kind of coming down to my neck of the woods. And he was announced uh, a few days ago as a participant in the tournament. First off, I want you to, uh, to reiterate your, uh, your affection for junior Benito. <laughs> That's a strong word, but it's not totally wrong. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I think I, I mentioned in the last episode uh, hadn't been kind of an active uh, participant in the independent scene in Ottawa for a number of years, um, still following the scene, but kind of at arm's length and just keeping in touch with the people who um, I was in the business with. And gosh, probably mm, it was pre-pandemic. So let's say like two years ago, um, you know, and talking to a few people, um, started to hear the name Junior Benito come up. The people I talked to just said, you know, keep your eye on him. Uh, everyone sort of gets the vibe that he's got something and uh, he's still very new to the business and he's super green, but there's something there. Like he, he might blow up. And um, I, yeah, he, he was working APW and he was working C4, um, you know, timing wise with the pandemic really sucked for him. A guy like him who is, kind of just building up um, a real following and, and getting a lot of good experience in locally and then everything shuts down. Right. But 
um, yeah, I would say coming out of the pandemic when, when shows start running again, um, definitely interested to see what, uh, the next year or two has in store for, for junior. Um, I did get an opportunity to see one of his matches live. Uh, it was at the, um, last rendition of fighting back. And I believe he worked, uh, testing my memory here, which I've said is not the greatest. I think he was in a four-way, uh, match, but, um, yeah, kind of lived up to the hype in terms of, of what I had seen. He has, I don't want to say the it factor because that's, that's kind of a, a flashy buzzword but there is something there in terms of he he captures the audience he has the ability to hold the audience in the palm of his hands and right now it's because he's a very lovable underdog um he plays that role very well um you know he 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 looks out into the crowd and like you just think someone from the crowd's going to run in and like hit the bad guy with a steel chair to help junior. Um, he's got that ability to sort of suck and pull people in, which I think is really exciting both ways though, because he's going to get to a place where he's, he's going to suck all those people in. They're going to love him and he's going to be a hero. And then eventually he'll turn their back on him and he'll be the biggest heel Ottawa has ever seen. And people are going to love to hate him. It's, it's going to be fun to see, I think whatever, uh, you know, um, both C4 and APW and other promotions uh, he works for, what uh, what he has in store for the fans in the next few years. But as I said, he was uh, announced as a as an entrant in the uh, All-Ontario Cup in Barrie, Ontario. And I just want to share, these are like immediate comments to this. I just want to share a few of them. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Chuck Bell just simply said, and here is your winner. Uh, I'll, I'll throw in Bob Martin. He said, likely a Sens fan. Ugh. Well, Bob, I'm a Sens fan. So a lot of uh, wrestling guys don't follow hockey either. Believe it or not. <laughs> I, I, I chimed in and said, this makes me smile. I love me some junior Benito. Uh, Brian Renda, who is a, a referee, uh, all around Ontario. This kid is legit. One of my favorite people ever. His future is limitless. Uh, Louis Philippe LaFrance. Uh, one of the best up and comers around. He's a gem. Um, let's just take in the fact that we're talking about an upcoming wrestling show in Ontario, right? Like how great is that? Yeah, I know that, that kind of got me like, we've, we've been kind of seeing that we've been seeing like little, little rumblings here and there, like the all Ontario cup. I don't know exactly what they're planning. I don't know if it's like a no crowd thing or what it is, but, uh, yeah, just there's a lot of rumblings now that you know, you know things are kind of loosening up as far as the province goes. And I also want to mention too, um, I encourage everyone who's listening to go check out a post by Mark Polisell. Um, he's the C4 promoter. For those who don't know, uh, I think it was shared on C4's official page, but uh, really well constructed and and well thought out and really beautifully written post by Mark. You know, just encouraging people out there who you know, may still be on the fence with the whole vaccine thing. Um, there's going to be shows coming up. And the biggest thing is, you know, protecting one another in the crowd and going out and getting your shot does that. It protects you. It protects others. And Mark put out a really nice post, just encouraging people to, to think that way, think bigger than yourself. Um, if you're kind of wavering on a, a decision, whether or not to get vaccinated. And, uh, you know, I think we're all looking forward to okay, shows stop, coming stop, back. stop, stop, stop. Are you playing Stopping. with something in your hand? No. Oh, that you're here. Are you hearing like chirping? Yes. That's a parrot. Then it's the parrot. 
Okay. <laughs> Why didn't I think of the parrot? Obviously, I don't but know, but it just it happened, and then I'm like, yeah. "Is that it?" And then it happened again. I'm like, "Stop, <laughs> man! You know I'm not getting that train of thought back. It's gone. It's left the station. We're, we're done right. here. I'll I'll, um, I'll salvage it somehow." Ah, <laughs> uh, you know we're all excited to to get back to watching shows live in person, and um, you know I think the most the the by far the safest way we can do that is by playing our part, and that's exactly what Mark was saying in his post is. Um, we're all excited for C4 to come back. And the most important thing is that uh, when it does come back, it's in an environment that's safe for everybody. Yeah. Um, I do want to own up to one thing. Uh, I've actually kind of established a bit of a relationship with Ian Mendez. And we were going back and forth. And I said, well, by chance, are you a wrestling fan? He goes, no, no. he's not. No. no, he's not. He's not a wrestling fan. I know this fan. is for a fact as well. And then uh, he said, but my old co-host... Leave for uh, Sage. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a wrestling fan. And then I said, well, hey, like maybe we'll have him on the show. And then I sat there and I thought about it. I'm like, well, who used to be his co-host? Because I do keep up, keep up with Team one, or Team 1200. Not close enough, apparently, because well, I think no, I know where you're going with this. I know. And I'm <laughs> like, well, who was his co-host? And I'm like, wait, it was Lee Versage or Versage or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm like, He's co-hosting This Is Wrestling. And I wrote, yes, Ian, I, oh, I, I wrote Ian another message saying, hey, I've got foot taste in my mouth. I just remembered who your co-host was and never mind. So I almost invited our competition onto our show. Well, I, I wouldn't really say they're competition. That's like saying C4 is in competition with AEW. Like uh, This Is Wrestling is not necessarily. They're, 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 they're thinking bigger picture, right? They're focusing on WWE and AEW and we're definitely dialed into the local scene and we're probably not going to talk too much beyond it unless, you know, there's a massive news in terms of a signing or something like that. Right. So uh, I think, I think we're playing in separate sandboxes, so we're okay. Mendez. So I knew, I knew he wasn't a wrestling fan. Um, he's been very, he's very public about his disdain for wrestling. Really? Cause uh, I've never yeah. heard him say anything about wrestling. Yeah, no, he thinks it's like juvenile and immature and he doesn't have kind things he thinks it's the silliest form of entertainment imaginable. Doesn't, doesn't understand why people watch it. And then you get Lee arguing with him and saying like, this is why. And um, I go to see Jake Roberts live show in Ottawa. When it comes here, I, it was at uh, I think yuck yucks comedy studio. And uh, with uh Chaz Lovely, Dino, who else was there? A few of us. Um, and lo and behold, who's sitting at the table front row in front of me? Ian Mendez. And I couldn't help myself. I said, Ian Mendez? <laughs> he turns around and he's like, oh, hi. I'm like, you hate wrestling. He's like, yeah, kind of ironic, isn't it? So I don't know what prompted him to come out and watch that show with jake roberts that night but he was there eh, took in the show so well maybe i'll maybe i'll have you know. to poke him and say no dude you are coming on our fucking show he, maybe he's the the biggest closet wrestling fan you could possibly imagine wow. it's ian mendez publicly disdain you know and hatred towards wrestling but privately loves it i don't know all right anything else you want to cover um yeah. Uh, so the, the yeah, no, I'm just thinking like the the ad for Brew Revolution. I don't know. We were just talking about them. It, is that is that good enough? Yeah, it's different. Okay. It's different. It's different. But, but did did we hype them up enough? 
Um, well, like, okay. What? Okay. Brew Revolution. Brewrevolution.ca. Uh, they're based out of Stittsville. What else were you so, hyping? Uh, like, once we kind of get into a good flow of doing things, you listen to Cornette's podcast, right? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. So I love the way they do ad reads. They just like, they just find a point in the podcast where they can make a link to one of their sponsors. Yeah. And uh, it's very natural sounding. Like you almost forget you're hearing an advertisement or something. Yeah. Um, that would be awesome if we can find a way to do that going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but what? Okay. So we've covered they're a craft brewery and beer hall in Stittsville, Ontario. They offer 30 different taps of beer, all house made and numerous guest taps from other breweries. They also have cider, wine, and craft soda. Uh, They offer a delivery service in Ottawa every Tuesday and Friday. Their patio is currently open, so if you want to go and grab a beer with your friends, you can do that now. They have curbside pickup available every day of the week. They have an awesome food menu as well, including a killer lobster mac and cheese, which is to die for. That's the ad right there. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. It's short. Yeah, yeah I know. I told them like 60 to 90 seconds. Oh, you told them 60 to 90 seconds? Yeah. God damn um, it. Hold on. Let me regroup here. Okay. Um, Award. Did you, so, you told me they won awards. Yeah. Um, I just what don't awards know they, did they win? For their beer? That's Yeah, for their beer. But I don't know if they're actually like they've listed on their site okay. what. Um, oh, their snack menu is making me hungry too. Who doesn't want a charcuterie board at 11 p.m.? A what? A charcuterie board. It's very Francais. The oh, okay. charcuterie board. You know, it's like the, the wooden boards when you get the, the salamis and the pepperonis and the tiny cheeses and the jams and the crackers and all that stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Those okay, fancy okay. things, you know? All right. I love how they've designed their beer menu. They have side A and side B as if it was like a vinyl. Some of their beers that I know have been around since kind of the start of when they started brewing. Um, so for example, Did you just say brewing, 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 strange brewing, brewing. <laughs> brewing. This podcast is making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I could go for a walking on sunshine, which is a N E I P A or perhaps a Lola, which is a nice Oslo lager. How about house of the rising sun, a golden rye ale? Or luck be a lager tonight, American light lager. If you like a fruitier beer, they've got a blueberry beret or a pear necessities. But my personal favorite is drop it like it's hopped, a West Coast IPA. You think if we actually do well, they'll name like a beer after us? That'd be cool as shit. I that would so. be. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. Gotta have goals. <laughs>